you would to Colossians chapter 2, hallelujah, Colossians chapter 4, there you go, got it right, Colossians chapter 4, you know, I started this little series on uh, praying out doors of utterance, and uh, just, it was just a one-nighter, and here we are on number six, praise God. Just, just looking at different things. The reason that we do things like this is because what the Bible tells us to do about mastery, that it's not enough to just know some things that we're not, we're not supposed to quit until we've mastered them. We ought to be masters of confession. We ought to be masters of prosperity. We ought to be masters of health and wholeness. We ought to be able to lay hands on the sick and minister to people and have results every time. We ought to cast out devils because, you know, demons are afraid of us. Amen. We ought to be masters at that, not saying, well, you go. I'm not too sure. We ought to, you know, there's plenty of people to practice on about casting out devils. Have you all met those folks? Plenty of folks, that'll, if, you can just, if you can just get them to sit still, you can cast something out of them. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 2, says, continue in prayer and watch in the same. So it means watch in prayer with thanksgiving, with all, praying also for us. So he's talking about a general prayer, a life of prayer. And then he said, in that life of prayer and in that continual prayer, Pray also for us. What should we pray, Paul? That God would open unto us a door of utterance. And this, you know, this is all over the New Testament. Wherever Paul speaks, he talks about this request to the churches he's writing to, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it, the mystery, manifest as I ought to speak. So you remember, just like that woman that told me, you know, there's so many sick folks that, you know, God couldn't heal them all. It's a mystery to these people. It's a mystery. What you and I have seen, well, gosh, it's right there. Look at it. It's obvious. It's in the Bible. Read it. You'll see it. It's a mystery. And the key to unlocking the mystery is utterance. So we have to have an utterance. We have to, and not just to say the right things, it's got to be at the right time, doesn't it? You ever talk to somebody and afterwards you realize that it wasn't the right time? Dr. Cole always said that you can't mold clay when it's dry, it'll break. So sometimes when you just press something with somebody and it's out of, it, their, their hearts are hard, they're, they're not open, you'll just mash and mash and mash until finally you break. But if you'll wait, if you'll wait, if you'll wait on the timing of the Lord, if you'll give it some season of prayer, if you'll wait on the timing when he knows it's right, then that thing will just mold and conform and turn around and it'll be perfect. Same thing you would have said if you just tried to, but you know, we're, we're impatient in the sense of, of carnal natural things. We're a timed people and God is not a timed God and his kingdom is not timed. Amen. So uh, we can see here from the scripture that God wants us to uh, speak out what he says. Speak out what he says. In other words, he wants us to take from him and speak out because it creates things. It makes things happen. It, it, it is a legal entry for us into areas that are otherwise impossible. Speaking is always going to precede miracles. Speaking is always going to precede uh, getting over there where you need to be. We're not going to be able to think it. We're not going to be able to wait on it. We're not going to be able to do good works of service and say, well, now the Lord will see me, see me down here helping and doing and, and doing good things for him. Surely he'll do that. He'll heal me. 
because I'm, I'm just doing the best I can. It's just not so, is it? Well, surely he'll supply my needs. I'm down here giving away and doing, and he'll just supply. We got to speak. He said here, it's a door of utterance, and there's a key to that door, and that key is being sensitive in the Holy Ghost. Well, that comes from prayer where you get some timing things. You, in prayer, you get the season. You get an actuation of seasons. You know that, you know, you're all excited in your emotions. We're going to do this. I thought of it, and I, I've got God's, you know, he gave me this idea. But when to do it? When to do it? When we were coming to Alabama, you know, the first time we heard that there might be a move in our life was a whole year before we actually loaded the U-Haul. You go, What? Well, you know, the Lord's going to work with you for, for wherever you are so that by the time you get there, it'll be the right time. So if it takes you two years, you know, you, you just, you're just stubborn in some area or whatever, he'll, he'll back up two years and start talking so that the, time, the timing comes out perfect. I know that's right. It'd be better just to, just to hear it and go or better yet to hear it and not go. A lot of times I, in my past, I have heard it and said, I know it, I'm going to do it. You know, it's exciting. The will of God, the, the, the future is exciting. He shows you something exciting and you go, beats what I'm doing, let's get on it tomorrow. But tomorrow is not the, it's not fully developed. It's not open yet. There's things that are yet have to be pulled together, but he has to tell you some stuff to get you to praying out some stuff. Just because you know a part just doesn't mean that you know it all. But, you know, I like, to, I like to crank it up tomorrow. And then, you know, I'm a, I'm a doer. So when I know something, I like to go do it. <laughs> Sometimes I get in trouble because, you know, it's not time to do it. And so it doesn't work. Well, there's another side to this. And this is what I wanted to talk to you tonight about is uh, what happens before you pray for a door of utterance. Paul talks about here, pray for us that we'll have a door of utterance. But what happens before you even pray for that door? Well, the truth is, the Holy Ghost is looking for a door in your life. You know, we shut doors. There's seasons and times where you're not as open to things in God as other times. Y'all say amen when you get it. You know, you're, you're not, God's always on, but we're not always on. By faith we are, but we're not, we have emotions. We have seasons that go up and down where we, and, and, in faith and in, move, in living in the Spirit, those things, those dips are less and less, and we're, we're moving where, where we're, but it's not always our best day. And so the Lord is looking for seasons. That's why when we have special meetings sometimes or when, you know, we think, wow, we got over there. Well, it just opened a door into our life so the Holy Spirit could slip in and move there. Turn with me to Acts chapter 13. The Lord gave me this scripture this week, and I've just been looking uh, of how it fit. And I'm not even sure I know right now how it fits, but we're going to just put it out there and see how it fits with you, and then we'll move on. But I want to, you know, I want to obey God in this. But I got this scripture. We've read it a hundred times or several times. In, in chapter 13 of Acts, uh, talking about the acts of the Holy Spirit, it says, as they ministered to the Lord. Excuse me, verse 2. 13.2. Now, you could just take every part of these two verses and just stop and just crank and go as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So you see right there, they got open. Didn't they? They, they were in the mood. 
to get something from God, well, how do you get something from God? Well, you give something to God. You, you, start, you start moving towards him. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, look at this, look at this. The Holy Ghost said, now you tell me what is better in your life than you listening or hearing what the Holy Ghost said. It's good news. It is the ultimate good news, and you've never had a better day than when you came out and said, the Holy Ghost said to me, that is a great day. Just, you, just, you never went to Six Flags and had a good day like that. When the Holy Ghost says, it's a good day, y'all. Well, you know, we can have them more than every, you know, three years. Back in 69, the Holy Ghost said, you know, and it was a great day. And a lot of times people's testimonies are based on when the Holy Ghost said, and they acted on it, and it just hopped and popped and, and moved. But we ought to have a more often experience with the Holy Ghost said. And it said, let's just make sure we get it all. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. God said by the Holy Ghost that he had called these two men. Now, you reckon, you suppose, that you and I have been called. You reckon you've been called? You reckon you're just, you're just part of the train and, you know, there's the engine and the coal car and the caboose and there's just stuff in between and you're just the stuff in... Or you reckon we're all called to this generation and this city and this, this season? Oh, I reckon we are. We could just prove it all night. So, he talks about that. The Holy Ghost said, and he said, separate, separate. This is the word he said, separate them for the work whereunto I have called them. There's a lot of things implied there that if God's called you and he tells you so, then there's an equipping, there's going to be a direction, there's going to be a comfort in it. Because, you know, when he calls you, that means it's, you're going to go a different direction. It's not what, you know, if you're already going, there's no need to, for the Holy Ghost to say and to separate and everything. You're, you're going one way. He said, right turn, Clyde, we're going this way. Oh, okay. And so there's an endowment of power. There's a whole change of things. It's really exciting, but it, once you settle down in your emotions, you go, oh, my word. I'm going to leave my comfort. I'm going to leave my no, my, what's new, known and what's, what's, uh, what I've worked out and what I, you know, and here we got a whole other level, a whole different realm. Well, in Matthew 25, Jesus said that if you've been faithful over little, he has to make you master over much. Promotion comes. It always comes in transition. When you're in a change, you can expect, if you're in faith, you can expect increase. People don't like to change, but it has to come in order to have promotion. So it says in verse 3, because God just said, I have called them, and when they had fasted and prayed. Notice there that they prayed and ministered to the Lord, however that is. We don't know exactly what that means, but of, co of course, that means to settle down. They fasted, so they, they, they took their mind off the body, and then they settled down, and so it had to involve some prayer, ministering to the Lord, praising, had to involve, you know, some, 
some time where you just give it to God and you just withdraw from here. And as they ministered the Lord, the Lord responded. Do you reckon that's a pattern? Do you reckon that's a key? Do you reckon that's some sort of law that you could engage and get God to move in? Why, he's looking for a door of utterance into our lives, the same as he wants us to have a door of utterance into other people's lives. He wants to give you something that somebody needs to hear wants to get you in a position where, you know, bless God, the Lord told me and ministered to me, showed me how to prosper, showed me how to get this terminal disease off my life, showed me how to get my business out of the doldrums, how to, showed me how to get my family that was just zinging and zagging and got them all tied up and happy. The Lord can do that. He is the problem solver. The devil is the problem maker, and he's the problem solver. And so it says in verse uh, 3, they laid their hands on them and sent them away. And then in verse 4, so they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost. What do you reckon that means? Sent forth by the Holy Ghost. Compelled and encouraged and comforted. No doubt supplied in some way, supernatural supply that, that they didn't have to think about it. And, and the Holy Ghost just supplied it. Anybody in here had supernatural supply that where he just showed up with the stuff and just made it happen and it was exceeding abundantly above what you could have even planned on and asked. Just does it. Hey, listen, it happens all the time, all the time. And so they departed, it says, and from thence they, they took out. Well, I believe, now you can just judge it and measure it for your own life. I believe we can all have in some measure this, this Acts 13 experience where we minister to the Lord and where he ministers back to us and tells us some news that's pertinent and, and a priority for our life. It's a real situation where people get so routine in their life, even a faith-filled life, where we don't stop our busy lives that are common and routine and make sure we're on track. Make sure that we're not just humming on the last thing we heard and that there's not new instructions, there's not a turn that we should be taking. I'm pretty famous driving for missing turns. I mean, it's just well known in the family. They call me the scenic route, you know, that, I, you know, I just, I'm expecting a sign when I'm supposed to turn, and then I get involved, and, you know, I'm not going to tell you all my sins. That's probably the only one you're going to get tonight, but, uh, you know, but we could all be guilty of just even in a blessed life, a blessed life, just things are going well, blessed life, and missing a turn that, that would that would skirt and delay and even put aside the plan that he has for us. We all have to stop and determine there's a purpose and a reason for me in this life. And you might say, well, I'm supposed to marry this man. I'm supposed to have these babies, and I'm, I'm helping down at, the, uh, down at the soup line. And, you know, hey, that's just as we go. We do that as we go. That's just what we do, like breathing. But there's a defined purpose. There's a specific and unique plan of God for your life. Say amen. amen. There is. And, and you may not have noticed it, but I have lately. Time is marching on. <laughs> I was younger last year. <laughs> I climbed up on the ladder, you know, a few times, and I went, you know, I was younger last year. Praise God. I felt it. 
Well, you just don't want to miss it. You don't want to miss what you're supposed to do in your 40s and have to try to catch up or, or reprioritize in your 50s. So this is important. So God, uh, before you pray for a door of utterance of what you should speak to others, you ought to let God talk to you and say what he wants to speak to you. You need to have a time where you stop and say, Lord, I'm going to give you a door of utterance into my life. I'm going to stop and I'm going to pray and I'm not going to even pray, which is good for the whole world and for the leaders and for, you know, Bangladesh. And Lord, I'm today is me day, me and you day in the sense of, Lord, if there's a chalkboard in my life, would you write on it today or tomorrow or the next day? And I believe if we ever stopped and just admitted Lord, I don't know everything there is about my future, but I can. Because you see, it's down here. The f- your future is already down here. There is nothing that's out there that's got to be imported. Everything about your life is already down here. Amen. Hallelujah. There's plenty in some folks. Hallelujah. <laughs> but there's everything you need to know. So it's just a matter of accessing it from here up to our head. Once you know up here, you've got to assimilate it based on your experience, based on fears that you might have, based on some area of faith. Some people are strong in faith and finances, some people in healing and, you know, and not in others. We have to always renew our minds so that when this thing here comes up, we can, we can apply our life to it and act on it. So the Lord wants a door of utterance into your life to make sure you're on course. There's a, there's a little bit of humility involved here where you don't just say, I know where, what's best for me. There, it's, you wouldn't want to say it's pride or arrogance, but you could, you could make a case that it's not the best to not check in with the master of our life, Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior, and just say, I know. I uh, talked to a man the other day, and he said, well, I, I'm just going to do this, and if it doesn't work out, I'm going to do that. And if that doesn't work, well, then, you know, I'll always have this in my life in case I ever need it. And I said, son, you know, God, we, we're not going to live forever here on earth. You, you may need to expedite some things and just not have this five years just like getting experience in case you need it. Y'all agree with me, wouldn't you, that that sounds a little bizarre to think that way, but it was as common and routine and right to him when he was telling me. It was as ordered and as, 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 as certain as it could be. He just like, well, this is what I'm going to do. And when I confronted him with it, you know, as a friend, just said, hey, are you sure that's, that's, are you sure? Because this, this, he's like, wow, I was fixing to jump off the wrong board. You know, the pool's empty over here. I was fixing to make a crash. And so I think it helped him. Um, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3, if you would. Boy, howdy. God wants a door of utterance. The reason, y'all, is that we're not sure. I don't think most Christians are as impressed with the church and with us as individuals as God is. We ought to be as impressed with what he's done in the church as God is. I don't know if it's, you know, because we are very cognizant of our failures and our weaknesses and how we don't measure up in so many ways that we just don't want to put the tag on us. But you got to go there. you got to give worth to what God gives worth to. The Bible says not to think of yourself more highly than you ought, but it doesn't say that you ought not to think as highly as you ought, just not more highly, and, which basically means you're something special, but it wasn't you that did it. It was Jesus that did it, 
But once you say, Jesus, I'm special and you did it, well, then you're thinking of yourself as you ought to think. That's the whole solution right there. So the Bible says, listen, look, look what it says in chapter 3. This is amazing. In, in verse 9, it says, uh, and to make, I think that's where we'll start. Yeah, verse 9, and to make all men see. So this is important. All men ought to see what is the fellowship, which means their part, of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Why? Why, Lord, is this so? To the intent, or to the focus, that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church. Say the church. Might be known by the church the manifold or the multi-leveled wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. So here the Bible says that you and I, the church, the body of Christ and Christians individually, that the wisdom of God, where is it? It's been vested in us. Can you imagine you and I being the, the very, the bash, the, the, the uh, what would you call that? The, the place where God stores his wisdom? But look at angels. You know, he's not putting it in rocks like some religions have, trees and rocks and, you know, that sort of thing. You go to Sedona, and they're worshiping the orange rocks. You go, you know, into places like that, the New Age people. They think that's where the wisdom is. You know, oh, we need to get green and all that. It, it, it's, it's in us. Well, sometimes we make unwise decisions, so we say, well, that can't be true, but we're looking at our head. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is down here, and so every time we access our life down here, we make a good decision. We walk by faith down here, but, you know, based on fears and experiences and on memories and, and on our senses, on other people and influences, sometimes we don't always make the right call here. That's why we need, to, we need to run everything that comes up here, we need to run it by down here and by down here. And it'll just save you a half a life. You'll get to live a whole other half a life because you won't be undoing half of your life. And it's just a great thing. And, but it takes a certain amount of wisdom to even know that. The New Living Version says, I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unseen rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan which he carried out through Jesus Christ our Lord. Y'all, the plan of God is in us. It's in you. So we need to give him, since he's gonna, he doesn't have a plan B, we are the plan and there is no other plan. There's no other way he's going to do it. In other words, he's not going to send angels on plan B if we fail. He's got... We're it. So he's, 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 he's uh, counting on us finding ourselves in here, saying, that's me. That's us. And we're no dummies. Yeah, we may have missed it, but we repented. We, 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 we uh, got the blood on us. So he doesn't remember it. I don't remember it. I failed, but I'm not a failure. 
I lost, but I'm not a loser because I've been, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, empowers me. And so we have to put on an attitude, and it's almost arrogant. It's almost to the world. It's, it's almost like, who do you think you are? But if you can deliver, it's not a brag. So we just deliver. Love delivers. We let our faith work by love. So we're something special in him, but faith that worketh by love worketh. So here we go. So we lay hands on them and get them healed. And we give and we minister and we cast out. <laughs> and we just, we just, the wisdom of God for their lives comes out of us. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. So a door of utterance. You got to stop your busy life. You know, everybody you talk to say, how you doing? You know what they're going to say, man, we're busy. You know anybody that says I'm not busy? Even people that are staying home watching the soap opera say, man, I'm busy. You know, one bonbon to the next. We are just covered up. <laughs> Me and Rufus the cat, you know, we're just busy, busy. Well, we got, we got to stop our life enough to say, am I on track? And does God have a door of utterance? Uh, Psalm 34, 7. Let's just look there for a second. You are so special. You are so empowered. It is beyond your head to know it. You cannot know who you are out of your head. You cannot. You have to go to the Word of God, and you have to meditate His Word until you see you as you really are, because your experience will not portray or not reveal who you are. Faith will, but your experience will not. Psalm 40, excuse me, Psalm 34, verse 7. Look at this. Look at this. The angel of the Lord encampeth, means to surround about them that fear, that respect him, and delivereth them. Say, I'm delivered. Now, the, the angel of the Lord takes care of business. So we don't have to be afraid. Now, y'all, I'm not afraid. You need to just say it. I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. You need to know demons are afraid of you. They're afraid of you if you know that they're afraid of you. But if they ever find out, if they ever sniff that fear out, they will, they will bury you. Come on, y'all. Illegally, illegal. It's, it's, it's not legal. It's against the covenant. But they don't play fair. And so, but listen, we are fearless. There is no entity that's ever been created like you and I. We are made in God's image. He put his stuff in us. He gave us his assignment, then gave us, us his supply. And he says, listen, if you do get sick in a curse-filled world, we got, we got an antidote that works every time. You'll just rise up and be healed. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. You'll rise up with wings of eagles. Now, what is it that we're saying, but Lord, I can't go because there's an area you didn't catch. Just go through the scriptures and you'll find out he covers it all. We have got the deal of the world. There's nobody like us. And the good news that's in us, when it comes out, people just fall in love with Jesus. It's that when we're not real proud of it, when we don't know who we are, that it doesn't work as well. So you ought to expect the devil to react to you, listen, like they reacted to Jesus. You ought to expect cancer to react to you like it would react to Jesus. Oh, cancer's tough. <laughs> it's a bluff, y'all. It is a bluff. It's not true. Cancer is just one of many things. It's symptomatic. It's, it's part of the curse. It's just something 
that develops and because it is terminal in some people, people are afraid of it because of its uncertainty and the way that it goes, the way that it sneaks up on people. And so there has been an inbred dread of cancer and things that are associated with those kinds of diseases. But you need to never forget, you need to always know that cancer is afraid of you. And you have dominion, you have authority, you reign over cancer and all of that mess totally. Say totally. Now, see, it's an absolute thing. It's not like, well, there's a struggle. There's a tussle. You know, we're going to pray, but if we forget to fast one night, you know, we may have to double up the next. No, it's just you. The greater one in you is bigger than everything else. And you've got to meditate that because there's a real mortality to this flesh that always tries to put us in a place that we weren't uh, uh, deemed to go. I'm telling you, we haven't seen it yet. We see a glimpse of it, and it keeps us going. But somebody needs to break out of the pack, hallelujah, and just go wild, crazy wild for Jesus and just say, wow, I'm just going to, I don't care what people think. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if I mess up and, and, and do it wrong a few times. I'm going to use my one and only life to get over there and see what the Word says in real life. We, if, I'm telling you, if just a few of us would take that posture, it'd be over for the devil in Tuscaloosa County because this stuff is con contagious. Amen? So the devil's afraid of us. In Psalm 23, 4, you know it says, uh, we, that's, our, that's our favorite psalm. It says uh, in verse 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. I will fear no evil. Why? Why will we fear no evil? Well, is it because we get some good news? You know, our, 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 our pension check's going up and we get a raise at work. Is that, what we, is that why we don't fear evil? It's because we got a great God-fearing president. I mean, maybe not now, but we had one or in days past. I'm not trying to use this presidency, but I'm just saying. Is it because we've got a, a born-again man in the White House or a governor or whatever? Mm, that may not be the reason that we fear no evil. Is it because you, you got your, your job going or your business going? No. The Bible says, what does it say right there? I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Comfort is a very important entity in your life. And you can't get it by anything that you do. It's, you get it by something you have. The comfort of the Holy Spirit's already on the inside. And so you access that. The rod is the word of God. Thy rod and thy staff. The rod is the word of God. That's where your comfort goes and that comes from. And that's why you fear no evil. Because his angels encamp around us. And then his staff. What's his staff? The Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. He's going to comfort you. Listen, when you're comforted, you're good. You're good in your finances, you're good in your marriage, you're good with your babies, you're good with everything. When you're comforted, all is well, and you can move in that. So we have to, we have to continually run to his rod and staff to stay in comfort. Fear will contaminate your faith. And if your faith ever gets contaminated, there's circles, there's, there's systems around you that you, are, that you are supporting. And if you get your faith contaminated, you will defile other people. You don't know, listen family, you don't know how many people are looking at you and depending on you and listening to you and, and mimicking you. That's right. 
You don't know the precedent you are setting in people's lives. It's not because they're reading the Bible and they're saying, I am convicted of my sin. I believe I'll get spirit-filled. It has no, that, that comes later, you know. Do you all know that? It's because of you. And they're road testing you to see if you can stand up. So all trials are not evil. I mean, they're all evil, but the end of them's not evil because you can whip the trial and be a demonstration and a testimony in it. And it's not just for you. Somebody's going to get strength from what you did that's beyond your deliverance. Hallelujah. So this all comes by praying. You go, well, I'll just read the Bible and I'll just will to be comforted. You, you know, that's not it. It's not in the mind. It's not in the emotions. The comfort of the Lord comes from down in here. The confidence that comes that his angels will take care of this. That I have a dominion over cancer. That I'm not afraid of demons. You know, you ever get someone that attacks you frothing and crazy-eyed and cursing and vile, they're demon-possessed? You find out what's inside of you. You say on Sunday morning, bless God, demons are afraid of me, but <laughs> you get a, you know, a wild-eyed, demon-possessed maniac coming after you, and you might reconsider your position for a moment. So we have to, the Word talks about how the, uh, the Lord delivered the people going into Israel uh, little by little, little by little, so that, they, so that they could handle it, they could grow in it. Well, we've been growing in it, Amen. And so, um, we have power over the devil. And you get this power by meditating the Word and then praying it out. Praying it out. Processing the plans is what Mark Brzee wrote a book on. Processing the plans of God through prayer. Is that what the name of it is? Yeah. Where you hear what God's saying through a door of utterance. You're praying and you're just praying. You're praying in the Holy Ghost. You're just praying out this or that, and the Lord interrupts you because you're in his territory. You're in his realm. And he comes in there and he says, I want you to do this, or I want you to have this. Believe me for this. It's not always go and do and sacrifice and martyr and give yourself up and suffer. Sometimes he says, it's time for, like he did for Debbie one time, or a couple of times, it's time for a new car. Believe me for one now. Well, hey, it's a great day when the Lord interrupts you. Even if he says, load your wagon up and, you know, go to Utah or whatever, it's still a great day. You just hadn't seen how yet. But the, so we need to pray. Y'all nod your heads and say amen when you get that. We've got to be praying people. It's not just prayer alone. There are camps that pray alone. And without the word, you don't have anything to go to prayer with. You don't have anything to go to God with except just crying and carrying on and well, I need this and it hurts so bad and they, they hurt my feelings. You, you don't have anything, but if you go to him with the word, then you're talking back to him in a way that he loves. This is, when you minister this back to him, you are worshiping him. You are saying, I believe you. I believe in you and I believe you. People say, we talked about it Sunday, how people say, I'm just trusting God. And that's weak. Just trusting God means I'm waiting on him to do something for me. That's all that means when you get the translation. But when you say, Lord, I'm trusting your word, you're saying, I believe this thing's true. And I'm not flinching while it's working out in my life. I'm not flinching. I'm not taking plan B. I am staying on course because I'm trusting your word. It takes a lot more man to trust his word than to say, I'm just trusting God. That is weak willy. 
excuse all the willies, but I'm just saying it's not, it doesn't mean anything. So when you got a, that's why on our praise reports and our, on our prayer requests, we ask you, put down the scripture you're standing on. Not that we're going to take it to heaven with you necessarily, but if you don't have that, we don't have, you, you really aren't in faith. There's not a basis. And you hate to have people turn in a prayer request card that doesn't have a basis of getting answered. You just know that they're going to blame somebody that this thing didn't happen. So you tell them, write a scripture down, tell us what it is, and it'll be just something you can say, well, now God's got a basis for doing this. Amen? So the devil is without power. Listen, the Bible said, what does it say? I wrote it down in Colossians in uh, Colossians 2.15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Listen, it wasn't close then, it's not close now. If the devil ever seems like he has power, he has simply got somebody to open their mouth in his behalf. They've, uh, he's using somebody's power, uh, their authority, and, and trumpeting it back to himself. The devil has no power. And if you will put a guard over your mouth, if you'll keep your mouth shut about the things that aren't true, you will have a better life. Amen. Revelation said, oh, I like this one. Revelation uh, 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. Have the keys of hell and death. Jesus whipped death. We don't have to fear it. Not in any realm and in not any way. There was a scripture that was given to us years ago, and I've kept it. The Bible says in Psalm 16, 6, The lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a godly heritage. Let's read it together. Let's say it together. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a godly, a goodly inheritance. Let's say it again. The lines are fallen unto me in pleasant places. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. Now, if you'll pray out, if you'll pray out, if you'll let God have a door of utterance. In other words, you just don't have a prayer confession. I got this thing down to four minutes and 53 seconds. I can put this prayer thing in concentrated form. You know, if you just would stop. I used to invite men to come out here at the church and just spend time with me, just praying. Just like, you got something going on in your life that ain't working right or whatever? Let's just meet me at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we'll just, we'll just give God a door to talk to us. A lot of guys got straightened out. You know, a lot of guys just like... Okay, I know what to do. Even though they didn't get a, you know, a, they just stopped and let God move in. So you got to do that. And I think then after you get that, you get your direction, you get, a, you get where you're going, God will open doors where you can go minister. Listen, y'all, there's nothing more fun and satisfying than ministering life. That's it. So get in prayer somehow. Get in corporate prayer. Get in prayer with somebody that you can pray. We are training for reigning. We are training for reigning, and it's working. Praise God. Praise God. Well, is there anybody here that has a sense? Well, let's just pray for a few minutes first. Let's, let's, let's just make sure we're on track here. Hallelujah. Let's just pray. We're all home folks. Let's just pray out some things right here. And it shall be established unto thee, 
and the light shall shine upon thy ways. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost said, separate me for the work whereunto I have called them. Separate me. Anybody in here, just without raising your hand just yet, knows that you've been separated by God, that you're not just one of many that can just come and go, it doesn't matter, but you know, you know, now this is a trick question, so think about it, you know that God has a purpose for you, an assignment that he's expecting you to fulfill. Anybody in here know that's inside? Now if you don't know that, if you don't have that sense, then you've got to stop your life, and you've got to find it. You've got to get the the, uh, the, uh, the witness that God has called me and I have to respond. Amen. Amen. Namrangala yombre gambrungali yozi selevadi sati. Now, does somebody have that? You just stand up and bring that. Hallelujah. Because one has a psalm and one has a tongue and one has an interpretation. Praise God. Is that you, darling? Praise the Lord. Yes, indeed, I have separated you. And yes, indeed, I have called you out. Individually, within this body, there are many that have been separated and called out to specific things, to accomplish things, and even to run the race a different way than others have ran it. And indeed, I have called this entire church to be separated and to, call, to be called out and to accomplish something special for me in this county. And I have equipped you, and I have been building you, and I have equipped you for this day and for this hour. And the time is now when things will begin to unfold in an unprecedented way, and things will begin to unfold, things that you have believed for, things that you have seen, things that you have seen a piece of. They will begin to unfold at this time and at this hour, and then even things that I have not shown you yet will unfold before your eyes and you will be amazed at me saith the Lord and you will be amazed at how I accomplish the word and how I accomplish it speedily and how I get done the things that I have promised you and there will not one word fail that has been promised unto this church and unto you individually saith the Lord but it will be accomplished and you will run and not be weary and you will supernaturally supernaturally do my will in these last days and you will supernaturally and divinely have the strength to accomplish that which has been said unto you, what's that which has been spoken unto you, that which you have seen in your prayer time, and that which you have even seen and then said, I must have seen wrong. But those are things that will be brought forth in this day and in this hour. So just watch and believe and continue to continue to walk with me, continue to grow, continue to go, and I'm going to unfold it all before your eyes in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Now that is a good word. That is a good word. Hallelujah. All the things we've prayed about and said that, how could that be? He said, I'll do it. Hallelujah. 
Amen. Amen. Glory to God. That's exciting. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we just praise you tonight. You are so good to us. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for complaining. Forgive us, Lord, for being frustrated. Lord, forgive us for being short with people. Lord, forgive us for for concentrating on our own agenda and not seeing others. Forgive us, Lord, for not being attentive to your word and, Lord, shirking prayer. Forgive us, Lord, for, for just not being tuned in. But, Lord, restore us now. Bathe us with a hunger for you and for the things that you have put before us that are awesome and glorious and wonderful and so, so satisfying. Lord, I pray for these days ahead, even this 2010 summer. Lord, we just claim, Lord, there'll be lots and many different and various miracles of healing and restoration and, and turnarounds in people's lives all over this county by just some things you've said. Oh, God, we just follow the plan. Lord, we just thank you for separating us for the work wherein you've called us. We lay hold of it, God, Lord. And we just depend on you, Holy Spirit, to go, to go, to go. Lord, as we step out, we just step out, believe in you that you'll show us after one step what is the next step. God, I just pray tonight, Lord, for anyone that's here that's been disappointed by the slowness or the, the, uh, the, the lack of, of progress on their dream. Lord, just, oh, God, help us. Help us, Lord. Oh, Lord, to be in your word, to see that you never, your word never fails. And your dreams, Lord, are never little. They are just wonderful in the person that they come to pass in. We just give you praise. We give you glory. We give you honor. You are awesome, oh, my Lord. And we just thank you for this opportunity to be together with each other and you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I, you know, I don't think we're supposed to lay hands on people tonight in the sense of what they did there in Acts 13. You know, I, you know, I, I checked, you know, all evening, you know, to see if that was it. And I don't, but, it, it, but it'll happen. It's going to happen. And we'll wait for that season. We'll wait for that time where, where it'll just happen. But you that are here tonight, you'll know what's going on. You'll know. And the Bible says to make your calling and election sure. And so you ought to spend some time just saying, Lord, am I on course? Just checking in to make sure. Every pilot goes to the tower that's flying, a, you know, they check in and, you know, their instruments and they say, yeah, you're on course. And we ought to do as, me, as much, amen, and not assume anything. Well, we're going to receive our midweek tithes and offerings.